to hear your word and uh, I thank you for the opportunity to speak your word uh, to your people Lord it's such a privilege to uh, understand you and to know you and we seek to know you more uh, we just thank you father for uh, allowing us in your presence today your glorious presence that we might hear from heaven so that we can do the things and speak the things that are so uh, important for us to know and to speak that we can live our lives with you in such a way that we are blessed we are fulfilled and we can pass that blessing on to others through the preaching of the gospel and so Lord we thank you for the opportunity to hear and know your word in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 so today we're going to ask this ourselves this question what are we seeking what do we seek what do we seek what seek ye in the King James I was uh, looking to find a um uh, translation that I wanted to use in, in reading this scripture uh, because <clears throat> there is so much here uh, because it's it's important for us to know that God has a universal remedy to everybody's problems I mean there's like one remedy to every problem that can ever plague humanity and that is so loving and so kind of God to have us be able to get one answer that fulfills every single problem or every single question that you might have and that of course is the love of God as demonstrated through Jesus Christ and so we're going to turn to John chapter 1 I think that's where I want to be John chapter 1 and see how how people came to know Jesus how they came to know uh, who he was and so that'll take some of us down memory lane some of some of us down a little bit longer further than others but uh, we all have this have had this experience those of us who belong to the Lord we have all had this experience of seeking God as a matter of fact the Bible in Mark chapter 1 tells us that all men seek for Jesus all men seek for thee is what the disciples said Jesus had just worked a number of miracles and had gone off by himself and uh, thought he was alone and he looks around and there are disciples still after him with more people trailing behind and uh, Peter I think uttered these words and he said Lord all men seek for thee and I think it's important for us to remember that especially in praying for people you know, sometimes we got some hardcore people in our families, our friends, uh, maybe co-workers that we dearly love, but they can, just can't, so to speak, see the light is, is the way we look at it. But there is a longing in the hearts that only of hearts of all men that only God can fulfill. Now, they may not know that God's the answer, but they know that somehow the problem is bigger than they are. And so when the problem's bigger than you, that's a good indication that that only God that God and only God is the answer so in John chapter 1 we see this um, let me see where do I want to start um, in verse 29 it says the next day John sees Jesus coming to him and says behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world 
This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. So this is John the Baptist. It says, And I knew him not, but that he should make manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come to baptize with water. And so John, you, you, you know the, the story. Uh, John baptized Jesus uh, in the heavens opened, etc., etc. And Jesus was approved of God. And, and so uh, John is saying here, and I bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, we can say those things, but the only way you're going to know that for yourself, it has to be revealed to you personally. And that's the thing I like about God. He doesn't, you know, hearsay evidence is not admissible in this court. If if you want to get in to heaven, you want to have relationship with God. You can't. He doesn't take your hearsay evidence. Yeah, I can remember uh, talking with people over the years, and it, this is sometimes good and bad to have uh, a mom or somebody in your family that's real strong in God. Because when you go to talk to the children and nieces and well, my mother is my mother. You know, I'd ask somebody, I said, well, do you want to receive Jesus as your savior? You need to, you know, you're not going to heaven. You need to be saved. Well, my mama goes to church. Our name is on the roll. at so and so I ain't talking about it's hearsay evidence, not admissible in this court. You got to know him for yourself and you can get to know him personally. And so God wants to introduce each and every one of us personally to the Lord Jesus Christ and it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us he reveals truth to us he reveals who God is to us and so when when Jesus then it says here in verse 35 again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus he walked and he says behold the Lamb of God and the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus man they followed Jesus now this is typical of the drawing of the Holy Spirit. He will first get our attention with something. It kind of rings a familiar bell or it stirs up some kind of curiosity. I know we've all been there. Some of us was led to the Lord. We're led to the Lord by uh, people that we knew. There's something about this person that was a little different and it intrigued you. You see, that's called fishing. So that's when he gets the hook in your jaw. And so then God begins to reel you in by the Holy Spirit to get closer and closer because God wants us to know his son personally and so Jesus then it says verse 37 the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus then Jesus turned and saw them following he always notices who's interested in him always and said to them what seek ye or what are you looking for what are you seeking and they said to him rabbi which is to say being interpreted master where do you live hmm? that's kind of a curious question isn't it where dwellest thou or where you live oh, wow that was a big one <laughs> when the two two words two phrases come together rabbi where do you live that was typical and that's the old model for prophets calling their companies together 
So they were excited because here, after all these years, the only prophet they've seen in over 400 years has been John the Baptist. And so here's another man of God drawing them to himself. And that was typical of how uh, prophets taught disciples. They went to dwell with them. They lived with them. They lived in a camp with them. They lived, you see that under Elijah. You see it under Elisha. There was what they called a company of prophets. Prophets taught all of the ministers, uh, in God's kingdom. They taught the priests. They taught, they kept everything together and they were able to get people to understand God. They were able to get, and so there was this drawing here by the Holy Spirit of these people toward this man. And so he says, come and see. And so they came and saw where he lived and lived and stayed with him that day. And it was about the 10th hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own way. He first findeth his own brother Simon, which said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now this is evangelizing. This is how we begin to spread the word that Jesus is alive and living, and you can know him yourself. And so you see this first move of evangelism starting to gather together the first disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they're all looking for something. and Jesus wants still wants them to answer the question what are you what are you seeking what are you after what are you what are you coming to me for and so we all have to answer that question that's a universal question that God poses to all humanity you're coming to the Lord what are you looking for what are you seeking many times we're seeking just answers to problems sometimes we need hope that things will get better some it's the 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 answers to this question are as numerous as people. Everybody has something different on their minds when they come to the Lord. But we all can be confident in this that Jesus is the answer. You know it seems so trite and so common to say that. But I can tell you you, you, can, never, you can never get a better answer for people than you really need to have a, a conversation with God. You need to have relationship with God. You can't just keep dropping in and dropping out on God. You've got to have a security secure relationship with the Lord. Over the years where I've been in ministry, I've seen so many people come and go. They come for a short period of time and and maybe they get offended about something. And when you look at it in the scheme of things, it's something that's so easily forgivable. You know, so easily forgivable considering all that Jesus has done to provide for us the the ability to forgive. These things are just so small. But you see people run here, there, and everywhere because they yet don't believe the answer to whatever it is that's bugging them is relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You need a higher level of relationship. You just can't settle for, for, you know, people will say things, well, you know, I I went to that church and, and they didn't treat me right and they you know it's like a clique it's like a club and all well what were what seek ye you know what were you seeking when you went there did you ever find out what you really were seeking when you went what was drawing you there 
well I was having some problems in 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 my marriage and I was having some and then sometimes people get to the point where they just endure the problems they don't seek answers for it anymore and so then God will knock on their hearts again he keeps knocking keeps knocking and says hey remember when you came and you said you wanted an answer for this I got the answer for you and so very often you know we'll, we'll come when things are, are difficult and then when it kind of blows over a little bit then we go right back to life as we we knew it but we still have that need for him there is a universal need in all men for salvation and so that's what Jesus begins to call these men to he calls in verse 32 42 they and he brought him to Jesus and when Jesus beheld him he said you are Simon the son of Jonah you shall be called Cephas which is by interpretation a stone so here we get again some shadows of the old covenant where when you come to God your name is changed you got me and so he changes Peter from Peter to Cephas which means a stone which means that you are now part of a a, 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 um, a body of believers a body of lively stones uh, many times people refer to P- Peter as the head of the church because of this you know because he kind of stood out as being a little prominent and so when when you come to Christ there is a change in you so much so that your identity is changed so that's the first thing that happens when we come to the Lord we come to him for this universal call to salvation even if you're secure in this life you need security on to the next life you're going to always need God for something you know sometimes we think it's, it's hard to witness to the rich or hard to witness to people who seem to have it all together we think uh, the drug addict is easier or the prostitute is easier the person is you don't know there's no hard and no easy people because they all have a need for Jesus and the Holy Spirit will find a way to penetrate that hardness into their hearts so that they can see the light it can be revealed to them that yes this is a need in my life and yes this need is not fulfilled by anything else I've done and yes I do need Jesus and I need a relationship with him so Jesus is always the answer always the answer I don't care if life is going well for you I don't care if you have a church that you dearly love if you don't have relationship with him then this is really what church is for a church is to enhance our relationship with God you know first to introduce us to him and get us in relationship and secondly to enhance relationship with God it it should make you uh, more eager you know church shouldn't be seen as a chore something you got to do something you get dragged to and something you know we went through that before we had a relationship you know when you when you don't have relationship you can stay distant uh, from someone or distant but but now that we have relationship it's all up close and personal and it's all you know I can remember you know in in the days of dry dead dull church you would go and and you'd be nervous and fidget and waiting for the time to be over and and uh, you know if if you were in a church where they preached you thought the preacher was always talking about somebody else you know or you nudge somebody and somebody knew something about somebody you know it's just a you know just a den of thieves so to speak it's just carnal with nothing to do with relationship but then after you come into relationship with God you beat it in there crawling in on Sunday because you've been beat up Monday through 
you know Monday through Saturday because the devil's on to the fact that you love God and you can barely wait to get in there and get some words so you can survive for another week amen so when you have relationship the whole picture of how you relate to the things of God changes every it changes everything when you have been introduced to God so what do we seek we are we're all seeking different things from God the disciples were seeking fulfillment of promises made to Israel you see that in their conversation with Jesus you'll see that and so this is what what we are we're just like them we are seeking fulfillment of promises when you come to God, you know, I can remember the early days uh, I was in a Bible study. I thank God for, for leading by the Holy Spirit and the drawing of the Holy Ghost. Uh, I, I can remember uh, finding myself in a neighborhood Bible study that was uh, part of a, a, a international women's ministry. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I had been in, gone to a church and they you know made fun of divine healing and I was seeking God for healing and uh, you know they said the people on TV were fake and and just you know it's just horrible I went to a, a weekly Bible study and they made fun of other things ridiculed everything and I thought Lord where is a place where people tell the truth where they have a respect for you they have a respect for what you do they have a respect for people they're trying to help people where 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 and I was looking for a book in a Christian bookstore and my eyes fell on a flyer thank God for flyers you know that's how we mostly get people to our meetings anymore is through flyers because you can ask God to draw people by what you the seeds that you sow see that's a, a little seed out there and you're asking God to have somebody nibble that seed so that that seed will take them to the next place where they can get more feeding. And that seed they get there will take them to the next place. We're, we're all feasting on seeds of truth. Nuggets of truth that, that God has cleverly laid out before us. And if we follow that trail of little crumbs that we nibble on here and there we get filled. It's not going to be a big fancy feast all the time. But in finding God sometimes you're going to have to nibble the crumbs until you get a place to a place of feeding. And so I saw that flyer and I just showed up at the Bible study. There was a number I called to make sure that you know what time they started and when they were going to be there. And that began my road to getting answers from God. For, for the things that I was seeking. I was seeking to know more about God. I had been healed but I, I needed something more. I needed to make sense of everything. I needed teaching. I needed understanding. I needed to learn. I needed all those things. And so the things that, that I've sought from God. And really that pattern has not changed much. Mostly what I do is I make my request to God. And then pretty soon God will start to draw me to the answer. Just the way he does the disciples here. The way he's drawn everybody. He will, if you, if you will seek him. If you will be diligent about seeking him. Making that request. And allowing God freely to answer that thing the way he wants to answer it. Then God will lock that answer into himself. I like the way he leads. 
he God's not gonna lead through surprises he'll always there's always see seeking what seeking does is it creates a place in your heart and your spirit for the answer and so when that answer comes it fits right in that place there's a request made toward heaven and that that spot is laid open before God and when you pray in Jesus name that locks God in by his blood covenant to him and only him is going to have the answer for you and you know when you have the answer because it locks in and it fits in you don't have to try to squeeze it well if I take this off I shave that off of it it might be what I need you don't have to alter it in any way it fits perfectly in there so that you have a peace about it and you have an assurance that God has answered that thing for you God did some amazing things that was where I first learned that prayer it didn't take uh two years to pray for something before God would answer you got me I saw prayers answered within days oftentimes the next week we would have prayer requests one week and the next week everybody had answers to prayer and I thought my God I never thought God could because you know in religion you told you're told God is slow about everything you know that oh he takes his time well you gotta wait it makes you almost not want to trust prayer because you know by the time you start praying oh it's gonna take so long i'll be out on the streets before <laughs> i would say before god sends me something and so a lot of the lies of the mind that the enemy had put in there got washed away by the water of the word once god starts to reveal truth to you there's a place in your heart where only truth can reside and that's what we're really seeking from god we're seeking truth from him we finally want to know what's really what you got me even though knowing the truth sometimes will give you a good spanking when you need one it'll shape you up I'd rather have a righteous person slap me around the room than to be told I'm okay by a bunch of sinners any day of the week any day of the week any day of the week because I know once the righteous get a hold of me I'll be straight after that huh? sinners eh -eh. It's, it's not our company anymore so the disciples were seeking fulfillment of promises made to Israel. Now how you, you uh, view the promises depends on who you are how you interpret and what you interpret as truth for there have been so many prophecies about the messiah uh you know and people would hold on to a little bit of truth here and and maybe an old wives tale there and, and something here and something there it was kind of fragmented so they needed jesus to come and pull everything together to reveal to them what and who the messiah really was over 350 promises in the bible about the Messiah the most recent prophecies though about Jesus were told by Mary and by Zechariah in the visitation of the angel in Luke chapter 1 I'm going to turn there real briefly and just give an overview of what was said in Luke 1 46 through 55 you see Mary's prophecy about the Messiah where she began to magnify the Lord and she's she's talking about him giving mercy to his people bringing equality that that the the weak are made strong the oppression is is gone and this is one of the the key areas where Jesus came to relieve oppression from people whatever you saw as oppressive 
that's what people began to believe the Messiah was there to take care of course the the Jew because they were under Roman rule most of the Jews saw Jesus as somebody who could help them overthrow Caesar you got me and and also to give them freedom from religious tyranny but the religious wasn't as bad to them as was the natural that that was being they were being oppressed by uh, with the rule of Caesar and so Mary talks here it says in verse 49 for he that is mighty has done great things and and holy is his name and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud in the proud in the imagination of their hearts so here mary talks about a holy messiah coming so will they know it will be someone who will speak about god and who will end the oppression who will help the hungry who will help the poor and the oppressed and isn't that what we always think about when we think about christianity we still have that identity in the world we still help those who are are downtrodden but we help them with the gospel we help them with the life-changing power of jesus christ and this is where the church has to really find its balance sometimes because sometimes we get so caught up in feeding and in clothing and all of that we forget the gospel and then the gospel gets put on the back burner that should always come as part of it should always come as part of it uh, i was uh, looking at um a book I had gotten some years back on the Dream Center out in LA and I had seen I went on YouTube to see uh, what they're doing recently still doing the same thing still expanding and doing more but they do a complete job they have housing for people who are out on the streets and don't have anything but they also have discipleship classes for them and they expect those people to grow and become a part of the ministry that has helped them. They can start intake and helping new people come in because they see that as being what God wants them to do. Not just feeding people and letting them go, but also feeding and letting them know about Jesus. Because if you turn somebody on to God, they'll hunger and thirst no more. You got me? They'll be fed and they'll they'll find that God is able to feed them and they won't have to be dependent upon on man well you know when you can feed yourself your dignity comes back a lot of things change in a person when they know that they're capable of doing these basic things for themselves a lot of things change in people when they're unable to take care of themselves you'll see that their their confidence can get get knocked down to a real low place when when they're not capable but when God comes he brings that ability and that power back to them he empowers them first of all to come to him for their needs so that those needs can always be met and so that's the good thing about Jesus being the answer you know when you seek him you found everything you found everything and there's no doubt about it so and and in Luke 167 we see Zechariah's prophecy about Jesus and this is a beautiful prophecy because it it talks about uh, a history of the Messiah the things that were spoken by the holy prophets are coming to pass now and he ties him in to the lineage of David so that people will know that he's the historical Messiah that they have been waiting for and so he says that we would be delivered out of the hands of our enemies to serve God without fear 
when you serve Jesus he empowers you to serve him without fear why you we see ministers now getting up and being stuttering and being fearful about speaking up for God I don't know but I do know this that God has empowered them to be able to serve him without fear we should have ministers who are not afraid of of going to jail for what they believe look at Martin Luther King and what he did you know we got we always talk about spirit filled versus not spirit filled some of the spirit filled are the biggest chickens you ever want to see you got me and then we got the fundamentalists that aren't spirit filled they fight to the death <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's some of the boldest uh, movements we have now uh, are being led by non-spirit filled ministers you know you just wonder about this stuff sometimes and I think to myself I said you know if we could lock in together protect one another you know people who know the Holy Spirit know the power of God you know undergird these people in prayer if they're confident enough in God to step out and make bold statements and challenge the political powers and challenge the religious world you know we should be able to lockstep with them and be supportive of them in a in a big and a bold way I I look back sometimes at at some of the uh, people I saw during the 60s who were supportive of the civil rights movement I don't see many spirit field ministers at all standing up publicly you know you didn't see them out on the marches you didn't see them any of those places because yet religion divides the church instead of us understanding when one person is speaking up for God we all better stand up with them because pretty soon they're going to come for us and take what we have away and so we, we really have to understand how important it is when when these powers are confronted like this that they need support they need lots of support and so we say, see that we are being saved from our enemies so we can worship God without fear. The church should never fear what Caesar can do. Never fear what religious powers can do. You know, sometimes you'll have, you get, in, you see people in church organizations and they want to strip the credentials of this. Well, if God's credentialed you and, and told you to go preach, you better go preach. I don't care what they strip off of you. If you, you know, if you're crazy enough to submit to people and give them authority to make you not do what God told you to do, come on you know and I I know people fail morally sometimes and all that kind of stuff but still there's relationship with God you got to please God in what you're doing you just can't be a jack-in-the-box sit up and down up and down up and down and that's not the important thing anyway the, the important thing is to to help that person not fail anymore you know, somebody who's smart enough in God to get a word of knowledge and find out something that's going to set this brother free from being a moral mess up for the rest of his life and so these are the things that we as a church need to understand that Jesus answered all these seekers I don't care how many people came to seek him he knew he was the answer he knew how to empower them to get the answer from him themselves and how to lead a life that was pleasing to God and was successful in their own eyes and so that's the good thing about what God is able to do Jesus was sent to his own you see him first uh, coming to Israel the nation of Israel but the Bible says his own received him not he was greatly rejected by the people he was sent to 
And that still happens. You know, there are people that you know need God badly, but they just can't somehow come around to it. You know, there's always rejection of Christ. But then in the end, God knows how to convert them and save them. So our job as a church is to continue to pray for people. Never give up on anybody. Once you start praying, you continue to pray until that prayer is 100% answered because God intends to answer that prayer. We have a covenant with God that promises us those things. So we see the disciples following Jesus. Each person had his own individual reason for following him. So he becomes our personal savior. Not just a congregational God or something like that. But he's a personal savior. We need to find out our personal reasons for seeking out Jesus. There there is no right or wrong answer to this. What are you seeking? There's no right or wrong answer. Whatever it is in your heart that you desire, you tell God about it. And he is the answer and he has the answer for for us. So we are, are preached salvation and a secure afterlife. But we need to find out what is it that really drew us to Christ. What what was it? Sometimes it's a desire to get away from difficulty. A life that's overwhelming to us has become too difficult for us. And we begin to cry out to God because man has no answers for us. So we, when we preach salvation and a secure afterlife, we need to know what salvation really is. Because there's a lot in that salvation understanding uh, of what salvation really is. The first thing that we're offered is peace with God. And that's the great thing. We were once enemies running from God. When people first told us we needed God, that scared us even more. You know, I thought I had problems with a bad marriage and sickness, but now God's after me again, you know. And so we don't want to hear about God. And then the person has to continue to what we call preach or entreat through preaching. You got me? So this is where you you come come on not real heavy handed, but you begin to probe the person to see what the need is in their lives. And I know it sounds like a, a blanket answer to say, well, God can take care of that. But that is the truth. And so I think if we keep our answer simple and keep it truthful keep it honest and we have confidence and faith now don't tell them God can do something if you don't know he can do it because they don't believe it any more than you don't believe it so you know what you can't tell them you know what we'll pray about it and I know God's done a lot of great things and the Bible promises that he'll do this for you too so let's pray and let's ask God to do this for you that kind of thing and so as we we open up God's kingdom to people that's that's what you're doing when you do that you start uh, opening up the door to the kingdom you let them in you let them see that there's definite help for them and there's definite everything that they need because God has that for for them in Isaiah 54 10 God promises he says my covenant of peace will not be removed will not be removed so whatever it is there's always a peace that you can attain in God you just have to seek for that so the Bible tells us if there's anything that we're lacking we can get it through prayer supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to him 
And I think that's a great way to introduce people to God is by saying, let's pray. Let's make that request known and and know that he promises that his peace will come upon them when when he's been touched with that need. See, you can go away feeling confident. You can go away not troubled anymore. You can go away not worried anymore. Now, I'm not saying the worry devil won't come knocking on your brain again. Because he does. But you don't have to let him in. See, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. So once you've got that answer, you can say, oh, no, devil, I got God's peace. I'm pulling that back over here again. I'm not letting go of that because that's my that's my ticket that's my ticket stub my receipt to know that God's going to give that thing to me you can be our problem is not lack of things it's how we think about them it's not what you don't have it's what you think about what you don't have you know the devil can come to you and make you think your situation is the biggest tragedy like since World War Three, if there's a, you know, if it's go, oh boy, this is going to end it all right here. You mean to tell me you don't have that pair of shoes you thought, you understand? He can, he can make a big issue out of the smallest thing if we let him worry us with it. We'll be wanting to do something, uh, you know, just for enjoyment. And before we know it, the devil's got us worried about it. You know, uh, what's it going to cost? And now I got to borrow money and I got to go in debt and I got to do this and I got to do that. He will take it to the to the next level for you if you let him. That's why it's good to make a request to God. See, once God has that request and he gives you his peace, that's your receipt. You hold on to that receipt of peace. And you stay peaceful and calm until it comes. Now, see the devil come up and say, what you got in your hand? Receipt? What kind of receipt you talking about? Huh? If it was real, you'd have... Uh And so he'll try to snatch it out of your hand. But you pull it right back and say, no, devil, I'm keeping this receipt because I know you don't like it. I'm keeping it just for that reason because it's upsetting you that I got it. Holding on to my receipt. And so you can stay peaceful. You don't have to be agitated. I don't care who at your job is upset because of layoffs. And, and they're going to come more and more. If, if you've got any connection to the medical profession, it's coming. It's coming. A great turmoil is coming there because of the changes that are, are taking place that people are, are still debating about. And so whenever there's debate and there's no peace, there's going to be upset for somebody. But no matter what, you make your requests known to God. And the reason I stress that is because that's where many people fail. They never pray. They never ask God. They never go into the word to build their faith on these issues. They just stay nervous and crazy about it. And somebody has to come and bail them out of their <laughs> their torment. You got me? Or we figure our own way out because we yet don't trust God. Yes. The reason we don't ask is because we don't trust. Oftentimes we don't trust because we don't put ourselves in the place in a, a righteous place about it so that God can answer. Amen. 
When I say righteousness, I mean you, you have to have faith in your heart that God will do what he says he's going to do for you. If you don't have that, then you're just running around trying to make your own way. Calling yourself saved, but you're still trying to make your own way. You, you don't have a covenant in force because you're not working your covenant with God. And so I'd rather have his peace and have little than to have a lot and running around and crazy about it. You know, worried, stressed out, your mind's all tormented, your head's all carried away. I mean, you know, just just find where your faith is for what you desire and work in that realm until God op- opens the door for your faith to increase. Just just work your program where you are with God and allow him to increase you as you go. So your covenant, this covenant of peace will not be removed. Now, the covenant of peace reco- covers everything. You know, that's your good hands policy. Huh? You're in real good hands. Huh? Because it covers everything. There's nothing that you can ask God for unless it's illegal, immoral, somebody else is coveting. You know what I'm talking about. And and when I say ask him, go in the word and find out what he has for you. We spend so much time looking at what the neighbor has and what's on TV and what's in all. Why don't you go in the Word and find out what he got for you? You know, you can't have what your neighbor's got. That's covetousness. He's not going to give you that. But he will give you what he has for you. And I guarantee you, oftentimes it's better than what your neighbor has, but you got to trust God. It's better because he made it for you. He knows what you like. He knows what you don't like, but you must make your requests known to him and you must be open for his answer. Peace makes you open for the answer. When I ask God for something, I know my answer could come from anywhere. I'm not just telling him, well, do it this way. And, you know, if the fleece is wet and I flip it over and the fleece ain't, I don't go there. You understand what I'm saying? As somebody trying to find him out and figure him out. When you have a covenant, you, you have it all laid out. How you relate to God. And so if, if you really want God's answer, you have to open the door for him to bring that answer however he wants to. And you have to keep your, your ears attuned to the voice of wisdom. Because he will always use his voice to bring that answer to you. He'll use the voice of wisdom to bring it to you. You got me? It'll ring a familiar bell in there. It'll, it'll, it'll be a chime. It'll sound a note that's familiar. You can't be afraid of the answer. And this is where most of us mess up. We're so scared that it's going to cost too much, stress us out too much, you know, something. We don't allow God to answer and expand our faith the way it needs to be expanded. I believe my my blessing can come through anybody. I believe my answer can come through anyone. God can use whatever he wants to use to bring that answer <clears throat> and bring that blessing. But I know it's God because it has that that ring of the spirit, the, the voice of wisdom. And it's a, 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 a match on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit will give me his peace on the inside. So I'll know that's the answer. But you got you to gotta listen first before you'll know what it is. You can't just shut your ears down because you're scared. You know, so many things we miss out of fear. 
God's trying to expand our faith and get us out of this little small world that we live in. You know, the Bible says to enlarge the borders of your tent. Stretch it out. Make room for more. God's always making room for more. Amen. In us and making room for more in our hearts. And so if, if we can do that, then we'll find that God can bring us great answers. He can do great things for us exceeding and abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. See, God will start something with us and then we in our fear will try and finish it up. And it never gets done. The minute fear takes over, then then we've closed the door to what God has for us. I was intrigued when Lil Shannon gave her testimony yesterday about taking the limits off God and her job. And she made up her mind she wasn't going to get in fear about. See, this is where this is where your reward will this is where God will pay you off big. If you refuse to get in fear, especially when there's something real to fear. You know, when somebody says, you know, the interest rates went up, we don't have as much work, we're going to lay people off. I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to, are you in charge of the Fed? You can go and lower them again. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can do nothing. You've got to trust God. But if you refuse to be in fear, then the Lord stands up on the inside of you and he begins to move you toward that blessing. Because you're holding on to his peace, you're holding on to his word, and you're showing God, even though times are hard and unnatural, I've still got confidence in you. I've got a covenant with you. You're not a man that you should lie. You gave me this job until I'm ready to let it go, and I'm not ready to let it go yet. I'm ready to move on to my new location in this company, and that's exactly what happened for her. And in very short time. Very short time. And so God is ready. He'll show us he's ready to move before we're ready to ask sometime. We're scared to ask and he's ready to move already. And so when we understand that and understand we have a covenant of peace that will not ever end. God will always give us peace about what we're doing. He won't have you move in haste. He won't have you... uh, Nervous, packing up in the middle of the night, trying to run from creditors and all this nonsense. He'll have you able to stand in these places because he makes total provision for his. We got to believe him, though. You got to believe him, though. So no matter what we seek from God, his peace, the peace he offers covers everything. And so and we know that we're in good hands. Because when his peace descends on you, there's nothing that can move it. Once once you got your answer, you're immovable. You know, you might have second thoughts here and there because the enemy will always come up with something to challenge what God's doing. But you're pretty much immovable. You'll come right back to that spot again. You said, no, no, God told me already that this is this is going to happen for me and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Right. I always encourage people to put those requests before God because there's nothing like his peace to hold you through difficult situations. Nothing like his peace to do that. I've seen I I had a a friend many years ago. uh, She had 
that she was an older lady. She got married at like 35, and so all of her children were born between 35 and, you know, whatever age she stopped. And she had had two normal births and had one baby that was born, uh, only lived a few days because it had so many deformities. And, and she said that during that time she had become a Christian and she began to study the word and she didn't really understand much about the devil and things that he can do and how to pray uh, for your offspring and how to pray for normal pregnancy and healthy children and all that kind of thing and so she said after she had had that baby and she was so grieved she went to God and and she said God began to minister to her and show her the things that she was up against as a Christian just trying to bring life into the world and so she said out of that pain came ministry into her heart that so filled her heart with confidence that God wanted her to have normal children when I met her she was like six months pregnant with her next child and she would tell people she said oh oh no I'm not afraid about this baby God's already shown me he's gonna be normal see that's what you want you want that peace and that confidence that cannot be shaken that you have an outcome that you know is going to be good and I try to encourage people don't step out in trying things if you belong to God it's not necessary you can step out in total confidence that and if anything comes up God will take care of it and at the end it's all going to be normal healthy you know swift labor no surprises no shocks none of that foolishness my niece was like that Bridget was like that most of you were here when her first baby was born and and she had to be off her feet uh, for a month and in that month she just sat under the word continually day and night you know and and uh, she and I had a little joke at that that time the Betty Ford Clinic was kind of new and every time you turn on the TV somebody was checking in at Betty Ford and I so I said Betty Betty Ford check in so she check in we pray every morning we play I pray faithfully she she call if I didn't call her she called me and we prayed for for that baby she was caring and and she stayed off her feet and the baby came when it was just just big enough to live it only lived eight days though and so when she went back to the Lord the Lord told her he said I will give you normal children and that settled it and I don't care what happened after that her kids were normal uh, when she had uh, um, Jasmine I remember Jasmine was born and one of her feet was kind of turned in and uh, Bridget you know was kind of overweight uh, for for most of her younger life she's lost a lot of weight now but she always carried that condemnation they would tell her well you're it's high risk because of your weight and so those words kind of stuck in there and caused that little glitch in that baby's development and so when they were concerned about it and so I I when I talked to to her her grandmother I talked to Pastor Shirley I said well you know God will take care of that I said that's that's a small thing I said it's nothing I said we'll just pray and and so the doctors were telling her to put a cast on and before she leaves we got to get this cast on and so I just told the Lord I said Lord we don't want a cast we won't we don't want anything big made of this can you fix it and so within then she had one doctor that said oh these young doctors they don't know he just came in reassured and they have no cast we'll just 
with I think it's going to be fine on its own. Do you see that? God will have everything line up with your peace that's already there. Jasmine's foot is totally normal now. In fact, it's big. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> She's only 10 years old. <laughs> I bought her shoes recently. You got me? Never had a problem with anything. Uh, I think they were changing her diaper one day and noticed the foot was totally straight. And so these things, this is his covenant of peace, folks. It's not just pacifying you so you're not upset anymore. But it's giving you assurance that his word is true. It'll happen for you. You don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to have cares about anything. Because all of these things stop when you make your request. You can make ask him anything according to his word. I don't care what it is. So God then provides for us all things. In First Peter 1, we saw yesterday that he has given us, already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So that covers all of your needs. I mean, if, if, if life is, if, if you think he, you can't have something because you don't measure up, he gives you godliness too. So, I mean, you know, take care of everything, the total package. So there's nothing standing between you and what God has for you. So this covers what you need and also what you need to do to get it. See, a package deal. So in other words, there's no more disappointment for us, folks. There's no more disappointment. Everything that God has for us is within easy reach. It's possible. It's he's glad to give it to us. He's not grudging in anything. The cattle on a thousand hills belongs to him. Your father's rich. I was looking at uh, uh, some news before I while I was packing, getting out of my room uh, this morning, and I saw the Trump family on there. And I said, oh, my daddy's so much richer than you are. You know, I, you see how people just are flocking all around them and their wonders and marvels and all this kind of stuff. I said, nope, my daddy's so much richer than you are. And I don't have to sweat anything that he owns because he'll freely give me what everything I need and desire. And so that's a good place to be in. Psalm 91 also tells us he provides protection for us. We have a dwelling place in God. We're given victory and protection over our enemies even. So not only our needs are met, our needs for godliness are met, our needs for provision are met, our needs for protection are met, and our needs for victory are met. Even if the enemy should challenge us on something. And he challenges us all the time. There's always something that the enemy wants to steal from us. He wants to try and deceive us. He wants back what we've gotten back through God. He still wants to steal it back from us. If he can steal our peace, he'll do that. If the, Whatever it is he can do to upset our, our, our existence, he, he wants to do that. So when we decide to worship and serve God, then that locks it in. If, you're, if a servant of God is, is the requirement, you have to stay locked into God. You have to be committed to him. Uh, you can't be running back and forth and trying to get something from God one day and getting what you need another way the next. You have to stay with God and, and be committed to him. Lock him into all of your needs, desires, and prayers. And, and God will come for you. 
He will definitely come for you. So that's how disciples seek God. Now there were some other people who were seeking Jesus during that time. The religious leaders were seeking Jesus. In Matthew 12, you'll see these examples throughout the Gospels. Uh, there were so many, I, I you know, just couldn't write them all down fast enough. <laughs> because whenever the power of God comes into the earth, the enemy wants to steal it. And his main way of stealing power is through religion. Why is it that religion has a form of godliness but no power? So it's a trick and a deception to people. Some people spend their entire lives in religion and can't see through the deception. Because there's so much sometimes that religion offers people. You know, a religion will let you buy a row in the church or buy a pew or your family can own a pew and uh, all of this. And, you know, you can be given a title and, you know, you know, 15 rows of deacons and elders there and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I've seen it happen. You know, I'll see sometimes people will try to break away from religion and then they get a call from the pastor. Well, we've been thinking about it. We want to make you a something where you know all of a sudden a promotion comes how do they know these things i'm telling you well they they study people religion watches and i'm not talking in a good way it watches in a carnal way uh, religion studies movements many times you see the pharisees coming to jesus's meetings to to watch closely to see what he was doing and when they figured they couldn't imitate what he was doing they decided to throw him off a cliff they just get so mad at him because they couldn't duplicate what he did that they decided to try and kill him or get rid of him so in matthew chapter 12 in uh, verse 1 it says at that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn now he's not even in the synagogue messing with nobody you got me synagogue was usually the Pharisees territory you know so if they he came in their territory they were kind of poised on the front row watching to see if they can accuse him of something it says in that time he went through on the Sabbath day he and his disciples were hungry and they just began to pick some ears of corn and eat them but when the Pharisees saw it they said to him look your disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day and he said to them have you not read now this is where you get religious people really wound up and crazy huh? don't you know that the Bible says and it, well it don't just say that <laughs> they love to have the last word you got me it's you know sometimes I, I haven't been around religious people in such a long time when you get around them you say, this is why I serve God this is why I have a relationship with God so I don't so sound crazy like this you know you can you can give them a scripture to settle things and they'll say but see not only that but then gotta add something to it every single time that you want to just you know wish you had a stun gun or something no, <laughs> try a stun gun instead of scripture or something I don't know but it's they're just tenacious like that you know hard to settle anything with them because they can al always argue against God's word and so here they are telling Jesus that they've broken the law of God by plucking corn on the Sabbath day. 
And so Jesus says, haven't you read that when David and his men were hungry, they violated the Sabbath and the temple rules. So really, God makes not the rules for man, but man you got me? I mean, the, the not make man for the rules, but the rules to help man. And so anytime you have a rule that doesn't help you, you can appeal to God for mercy in alleviating that. You got me? And so when, when uh, they began to see what Jesus was saying and, and they couldn't reason with him and they couldn't get over it, they just got angry. You know, and and just walked off and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that was their relationship with him. Jesus had divine protection against religious devils, and we do too. My my uh, suggestion is don't try to get involved with them. You understand what I'm saying? You God is because God wants to keep you set apart for him. And really the word of God is not to be argued it's to be ministered to people and so many times and I made up my mind about this some time ago I don't argue people religion I just give them the word if they can't accept it I just apologize well I'm real sorry but that's really what what it says and you know we can't come into agreement on this maybe we can agree on something else you know what do you need or something like that but you you can't really and many times you'll find the religious have not made a heartfelt confession of Christ you got me it's not they're not really what you would call converts they're not converted to the point where their minds are able to receive the word and engrafted in their hearts what produces for them and so many times they're at a great loss for having an ability to receive and have the word work for them you know uh, there are times when when you could take somebody that's a believer that's humble to the things of God and give them instruction on what to do to receive from God and a humble person will follow right through. Religious people come back and it didn't work for them. Or they come back and, uh, well, you know, I was watching Benny Hinn and he said this and want to argue and, and see that's when, when it's, it makes trouble for them. And that's the way the Pharisees were. There was no pleasing these people. I don't care how hard you tried, you know, and they were free to come and be ministered to by Jesus. Now, every now and then one or two of them broke away. But for the, the main of them, they were all tied in uh, to this system uh, that they lived by. Uh, you know, the temple took care of them and they didn't like Jesus coming in doing odd things in the temple, you know, like healing people. We don't heal people here. You know, that's, we don't believe in that here. You got me? And so it's, it's unfortunate that, that, you know, it was that way, but, you know, that's how it is. And that's how it is today in religion. They watched everything he did and criticized it. And so everything that you do under the power of God, as far as religious, will be criticized. Yep. So they sought to set a trap for him and often sought to destroy him. They made many attempts to overthrow him and his ministry, but they were stopped. And they did this for one reason, the Bible says, it was for envy. Religion is a fleshly spirit. It caters mainly to the flesh. And when religion sees the power of God, it is envious of the power of God. So they desired the place that Jesus had, but they couldn't have it. 
the disciples were able to because they humbled themselves and received what Jesus had. Even though some of the disciples had some flaky reasons for, for, for following Jesus. You know, and nobody was ever totally pure. You know, uh, James and who was it? James and John, the brothers. Um, right. Yeah. They wanted to to one. I'm sitting on Jesus right hand. And I'm going to sit on your right hand. My brother going to sit on your left. And when they didn't get the response they wanted, they went and told their mama. And they had their mama come and talk to you. You my, my baby. You better put my baby up there. They've been running around with you all these years. You know they got to have something. You got to make them a bishop or something. Huh? And so when you see that, you see a mixture sometimes of religion with faith. And so you as a believer have to make up your mind which one is going to win out. Is your faith going to win out or are you going to stay religious and keep Jesus stifled and stymied and keep him under criticism all the time. And they did this for envy. They desired the place that Jesus had but they could not get it. So they were some of the Pharisees a few were converted but that in the end they all chose to crucify him. And so they weren't able to lay hands on Jesus until he allowed them to. He was so divinely protected that he was in charge to lay down his life they could not take it. That's something you need to remember about you. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in the heart of the believer. And the devil can't do anything to you. You got me? Unless you allow him. So my advice is you stay close to God. You keep believing the word. You stand in faith no matter what happens. And God will come through for you. Amen. Religious, the religious are very worldly. There's nothing different about them except they put on a different, the, Jesus called them whited walls. They were scrubbed on the outside, but on the inside they were full of dead men's bones. And so there's no life there. There's no joy there. There's just deadness. Okay. And so, <clears throat> When Jesus, when they would see Jesus and they would be jealous of what he was doing, they would gather together and whisper about him and try to uh, make plots. The only way they were able to entrap Jesus was they had to, to get somebody close to him because they couldn't get close. Religion cannot get close to the power of God. You got to put religion off to get God. And so they had to, you know, get somebody to an insider to betray, you see, in order to get close to him. And Jesus knew it was going to happen all the time. He could have kicked Judas out, but Judas served a purpose here. So the Pharisees were threatened because the temple system of taking advantage of the flock was going to come to an end. When they saw Jesus healing everybody and nobody had to pay for anything and nobody had to pay a hundred dollars for a prophecy or pay you know fifty dollars to sit close to the bishop or anything like that you know be a big tither to to be able to be his armor bearer all that kind of stuff when when they saw that none of that mattered to jesus then that was a threat to them they were afraid their ritual practices were threatened you know, washing everything and making sure you, you, you know, wash pots and cups and all this kind of nonsense, Karen. Not doing any work at all on the Sabbath. If you carried your bed on the Sabbath, it was an infringement. There were so many laws added to 
the the law of Moses. Uh, if your sandals had nails in them, you couldn't wear them on Sunday. They considered that to be work. You got me? And so these were things that were foolish things. But it'll it's amazing how crazy the devil can make people and tell them it's God. You know, you look at these people that, that take Mark 16 literally handling serpents you know uh, and what they're trying to prove I don't know but if you've confessed Christ you're already saved so I don't know if you're trying to prove salvation or what you're trying to prove but they'll take that out of context and have a whole uh, church of people several churches of them that do nothing but play around with snakes all day long to, because it says it in the Bible. It says you can do this in the Bible. It also says you can do some other things in the Bible. And go into all the world and preach the gospel and heal the sick instead of being one of the sick. And so, you know, it just it, it, uh, it's amazing sometimes how religion can twist the mind to insanity. What, what the normal person considers to be insane, but yet these people claim God told them these things. And, and not only Christian religion, but the other religions of the world. You see the Muslim extremists, they think, you know, you, you have to die if you, you're not a Muslim, you know, and they are not being on taking converts either. So, you know, they're just there to kill people. They're bloodthirsty people. And they've made it, twisted it. And then they get other people respecting their religion. You got me? They get other because if one branch of it is no good, the whole branch probably is. The whole stem of it's probably rotten. And so we have to be careful as believers to stay away from Jesus said, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Leaven is something that makes it look pretty, look nice, pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the taste buds. You know, it's the difference between uh, um, a uh, puff pastry and a pita, pita bread. <laughs> Which one do you want? Huh? Or a cake and a, uh, you know, and, and say maybe a pancake or something. Which one do you prefer? So the fluffier and prettier it is, the more people like it. And so when you see religion that's all prettied up and, you know, is no substance there, no real relationship with God, Jesus said, beware. Man, beware. So religion always has a beef with the power of God. You'll always see it contending against the power of God. <clears throat> religion has no authority against the power of God. They couldn't stop Jesus. He even came in the temple and took a, a whip and chased them all out. The money changers and the false sacrifice people. You know, you couldn't bring your own animal to be sacrificed to the temple during that day. They, you had to buy one from them because yours was never good enough. Yeah, I mean, so religion has that thing about you, making you feel small and not good enough ever. Amen. The the true gospel tends to reach you where you are and elevate you to the place where God wants you to be. It always the gospel always increases people. It never decreases them. Uh, you know, it won't leave them there in a place of decrease. 
So those are the two two places where I thought we would study today on on people who are seeking God. What are you seeking when you seek the Lord? If you're religious, you're seeking to have a beef against God. You're seeking to stop the power of God. You're seeking to rob people of their relationship with God. But if you're seeking God with a pure heart, you're in a good spot because you'll be able to get everything that you need from God because he certainly wants to meet every single need. And so we can with confidence tell people when they have whatever problem they present to us, we say, you know what? Jesus really is the answer to that for you because he has answered all of these things over and over again and he'll do it for you. We can say that with confidence. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to study your word today and study how you have responded to people throughout the ages that you're continuing to respond to us in such a great way and such a good way so we thank you Lord for this great response you've given us as your people in Jesus name amen praise God praise God if somebody needs prayer you can come on up and I'll